Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Kevin, we are deep into season four of the podcast. We're up to Be Better. Be Better is the fourth B of our 5Bs framework. Listeners, as you know, Kevin and I here on the podcast, we're sharing our 5Bs strategy for really B2B marketing that leads to sustainable growth, B2B marketing that leads to revenue, B2B marketing that shows your boss that marketing is contributing to revenue. Kevin, tell us about the first three Bs of the 5Bs framework real quick, and then when we're up to in the fourth stage, be better. Well, listeners, the first three Bs prepped you to ensure that you deeply understand your dream customers, you're creating content that is helping them, which starts to build a relationship of trust with them online. And in BC, the last B that we've gone through, we showed you how to amplify your helpful content to the right people and therefore accelerate your growth. This season, we're covering the fourth B, Be Better, be Better is all about optimizing your B2B marketing workflow to cement yourself as the expert you set out to become. What steps do you take next to keep improving your understanding of your dream customers, your helpful content, and how do you keep amplifying your content? That's what we're talking about this season. Specifically in this episode, we're going to revisit how to test paid channels. We look at some of the additional concepts around this about how to find and test pay channels when you have a handful of successful ones already. 
That's it, Kevin. Before we go deep into this, uh, I just want to share with our listeners that Kevin and I actually have a newsletter as well. So we do it twice a month. We're not there to clock up your inbox. And um, we share really the best of what we cover on the B2B playbook, but also some original thoughts there, something that you can consume in five minutes or less. So head to the b2bplaybook.com and subscribe to the newsletter. All right, Kev, let's talk about the context around um, testing paid channels. Well, as discussed last season, listeners, there's constantly new channels, particularly advertising channels coming out online. Last time we spoke, a lot of the attention was around TikTok, which in fact is maturing uh, at this point, for example. A lot of the work is now happening in the influencer space and forums such as Discord and the like. And recently, we've had a lot of chatter around ChatGPT as well. Although not a paid channel yet, it's quickly going in that direction. And this whole context is actually quite similar to new channels coming out as they used to on TV. Uh, These new channels would reach slightly different audiences with slightly different purposes or type of content on them. So it's important to test and see which performs best for you. That's it. There's so many out there, Kev. So we need to give the people a framework to decide which ones are best for them and then how to really get into them and optimize them. So Kev, some of the important things to to understand are, as you touched on there, really the objectives of the channel. So who is actually owning that channel? Who's providing that channel when you're going and testing to see if your Dream 100 audiences are really there and if you're going to get traction on it? Kevin, we covered that in episodes 47 to 49. So listeners, if you haven't heard how Kevin and I go about identifying and uh, jumping into a channel, make sure you check out those episodes. Those principles that we spoke about then, Kev, they're pretty evergreen. So you can definitely go back and apply them to future channels that come up. But before we jump in today, as a quick reminder, those concepts are that you should first start with understanding of the with understanding the objectives of a particular new channel that you want to test. Key to that is asking yourself who's in charge of that channel, what's their goal, and who's the audience on that channel. And generally, in what direction is all this changing? You'll often find that there's a business behind the scenes that wants to maximize their profits, whether that be Microsoft or Google or Meta, as they like to be known now. But it's important to understand how they're going about that and what segments of audiences they're targeting. That's right, Kevin. The example that we gave was LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn wants to go after professional and business-related audiences. So that aligns with most B2B businesses. And Kev, we thought really carefully about which channel we wanted to lean into heavily when it came to distributing this podcast, when it came to sharing the B2B playbook and our 5 Bs framework. After speaking to a whole lot of our dream listeners, a whole lot of dream customers, we realized they're all hanging out on LinkedIn, which is great. But then we also stripped it back and thought long and hard about is LinkedIn well aligned um, with what we're trying to do on that channel? Do we think that they're going to be around serving businesses in the same way that we are moving forward? And um, I think so far, Kev, we've been on the money and things certainly look to be trending that way. Yeah, hopefully uh, that continues and hopefully we can now start to test a few more channels as our listeners hopefully are as well. It's also worth a quick recap that your work on defining your dream 100 that you did all the way back in stage one or season one on the podcast will help you as a starting point into looking at what channels to choose next to test. Continue to update your dream 100 and customer research so you know what your dream customers are using as information sources they trust so that you can tap into those same sources to gain their trust as well. 
The idea is to lean on your research and audiences to determine where to invest your advertising dollars and your paid ads dollars and not on your own guesses alone. All right, Kev, let's work through an example again so just so we can apply um, that thought process. Something you raised earlier, something you raised earlier was ChatGPT. It's super hot topic at the moment. It's not going away anytime soon. Apparently, the new one is being released this year that's a thousand times more powerful than the one we're currently using, which is pretty wild. Um, for those of you who've been living under a rock, ChatGPT is a chatbot that was launched by OpenAI um, back in November 2022. And you can effectively have a conversation with it and it answers your questions by using AI and an AI engine to analyze information that's available to it and um, then matches that with the inputs that you give it. So it's pretty wild, the kinds of things that it can do. Um, Kevin, just yesterday, my grandfather was over and I asked ChatGPT to write a story about a young Greek man who left his village in Greece to travel to Australia and write it in Greek for him. Um, we were running out of things to talk about. So I was telling him about ChatGPT, wrote a nice story, really engaged him. And it was pretty amazing what it did and the story that it came up with. <laughs> well, that's certainly a new way to keep yourselves entertained, uh, particularly when chatting to the grandparents. But that's a pretty good summary, listeners, of what ChatGPT is. And basically, um, you know, that is how quickly things are moving these days. You know, ChatGPT was launched by OpenAI in November 2022. So just last year, as George mentioned, and potentially we have a slew of new online channels uh, just around the corner because of that. So it just shows you how quickly you have to analyze these things. But if you keep the main principles in mind that we've talked about, Hopefully, it'll put you in good stead to analyze these new channels. But coming back to the example of ChatGPT, as George mentioned, launched last year, but it's currently not an advertising channel, so you can't actually put ads on it in any way. And it's very much a tool that people are discussing in the context of helping generate content. In our opinion, that's likely um, quickly going to become an integral part of many paid channels. So why do we think that? While applying our framework, we know that Microsoft is a heavy investor in OpenAI and having read some of the comments that OpenAI themselves have been making online, we already have indications that they will build this into things like Microsoft Ads to help set up ads, but they also might turn this into a pay tool. So they mentioned that the cost of running the engine itself uh, is very costly, is eye-watering as they said, and they won't be able to keep it free forever. It's definitely a tool that has wide appeal. They've proven that, and we're really the beta testers of the product right now while it's free. But very quickly, they're going to turn that into a pay tool, particularly with content creation and marketing professionals right now very interested in that product. But with a lot of applications outside of that. So that's likely going to be the core audience at first, expanding out from there um, to other people who might be in the content creation space. So if you can capitalize on the channels that then start to utilize ChatGPT, you're probably well-placed to reach such an audience that's relevant to you because they're likely to be looking at anything mentioning ChatGPT, any marketing tools that are using ChatGPT as part of it, like Microsoft Ads. So if you're using the same sort of spaces to talk about the information around ChatGPT, that's a great, uh, that's going to put you in great set into reaching that particular audience of content creators and marketing professionals, if indeed that is who you're after. All right, folks, quick breather here. 
In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Kevin, I think it's important that we talk about when our listeners should be looking at taking on a new channel. I mean, given we're going to uh, tell them like how to get into a new channel and how to test it and how to optimize it. I think, first of all, let's start with when is the right time to take on a new channel. And Kev, something that you and I have spoken about is, I mean, particularly at the early stage in a business, everyone talks about taking an omni-channel approach. We're not really sure that's the right way to go about it. Um, we think that businesses are much better off taking on really one channel at a time and pouring their resources into it. Yeah, George, I totally agree with that point, particularly in the B2B marketing space, right? Because in B2C, maybe you can launch a couple of different channels that are quite common in that space and you can get good results on a couple and they don't really cross over each other too much. But in B2B, where you have the need to make more contacts with a particular person to gain their trust, to then develop a relationship of trust online before being able to transact, B2B space, it really needs a more focused approach and working one channel at a time will allow you to gather the information you need to really hone in on what your marketing message is and then to build on that and to be able to establish that relationship of trust, which takes a lot longer naturally in the B2B space. So one channel at a time and add to it over time. And we say, Kev, that when people both work their way in and buy their way into a channel, often the effects compound. So working your way in is working your way in organically in that particular channel. So if it's LinkedIn or Facebook groups, whatever it might be, it's going into those places where your dream customers are already hanging out, finding out the communities, finding out who they're following, and really starting to understand them very, very deeply. And then what we find is because you have that great understanding of what's going on organically, when you then use paid media, the dollar that you spend goes so much further. So that's a really important point when taking on a new channel. So Kez, just some really quick signs that you should take on a new channel. Um, I always say based on customer interviews, Kev, we always encourage our listeners to go out there and interview their dream customers. If you find that your dream customers are now all of a sudden hanging out on a different platform, one that you haven't invested your money into, well, then it could be time to seriously look at going into that platform because if that's where they're hanging out, that's where you need to be. Yeah, it's really important, uh, listeners, to take those signals. You know, we've always talked about taking your signals from your dream customers, from the information that's coming in from your customers, not just quantitative, but also qualitative. Have those conversations with your dream customers, with potential dream customers as well to figure out where they might be, where they're getting information from and taking signs from that, that you should invest into a new channel. Rather than just vibing it, uh, you can put some quantitative analysis behind it too. Run a survey, maybe run a few interviews in depth with some of your dream customers just on that particular point. It doesn't hurt to have that conversation. In fact, it probably builds a better relationship with your dream customers. 
And just because you've run one survey before about five, two, even one year ago, it doesn't mean you can't run another one. Yeah, great point around the surveys, Kev. Other signals that you might want to take on a new channel is if your cost per acquisition cost um, is starting to increase. So the cost of acquiring a new customer is increasing or maybe your pipeline's slowing down. Um, that could be a sign that you're either uh, saturating that particular channel that you've invested in or perhaps it's just too competitive for you to stick around in and make a big impact. So it might be worth looking at another channel. Um, and then final sign, Kev, is look, if you're only investing in Google ads and you're just simply capturing demand that's out there, so people are searching for a product or service like yours right now, then I would recommend that you invest in another channel that's actually creating demand from the outset. All right, Kev, there's signs that you should be taking on a new channel. Let's talk about channel attribution modeling. Well, George, this is a concept that often pops up, um, particularly as you get into a space listeners where you have a couple of channels running and you're starting to get to the problem of, okay, I have maybe two, three, four, five even channels going and they're all sort of returning slightly different results. How do I make that decision about which channel to invest in more, which to pull back on and which to double down on? It's another concept that we've talked about before, but in particular in this context, it's one that's going to start coming up more and more as you start to grow your paid channels. You've had a few maybe maturing and questions start to pop up um, in the vein that I've just covered. Um, often for us uh, B2B marketers and marketers in general, we start turning to our marketing stack uh, to get more attribution to solve that, uh, to get answers for some of those questions. And we would like to just remind you that that sort of data, it really needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Things like UTMs and tracking will allow you to analyze a particular version of events. Uh, whether that's data-driven or last touch, it has its limitations. There's no substitute for some good qualitative data that tells you what really is going on in the mind of the clients as they go through that process and uh, they click on a particular ad or they go straight to your uh, website, whatever that channel might be that the UTMs are telling you they're coming in from. You don't know the full story around that context of where the head's at unless you have that conversation to get some qualitative data from them. That information will really tell you why a client comes to trust you enough to buy from you. And Kev, advertising that really falls victim to, I guess, analysis that takes place in a CRM is normally educational pieces. So for example, one of my clients, I mean, their CRM really shows the impact of any of the helpful educational material that we're running for them, pushing it to the buying committee. Um, but we know that it works because we collect that information qualitatively when they sign up for a demo or they're on a sales call and you ask, well, how did you hear about us? And they very, very often cite the helpful educational material that we're pushing, um, particularly through LinkedIn. So really, really important to collect that. Um, but don't ignore the quantitative side either, right? Um, take both with a grain of salt, um, a blended or hybrid attribution model is probably the best approach. Yeah, it can get a little bit messy, but just keep in mind that, you know, channel attribution uh, as or modeling as a concept is not going to be the silver bullet that gets you there. You do still need to get down and dirty with the data, qualitative and quantitative, and get them together to make sense of the story behind your customers and how they come to be your customers. You also have the different tiers of KPIs to look at, which we discussed in the last episode. 
So you can fall back on that as another source of information to look at when you look at optimizing or testing new channels. If you haven't heard that episode, we strongly recommend you go back and check that one out as well. It really gives you the different tiers of KPIs you should be looking at at every stage of growth, and that will help you figure out what quantitative data to really hone in on specific to your stage of growth as well. All right, Kev, well, at this stage of the podcast, you know, we're at the Be Better stage. It's the fourth B of our five Bs framework. So if people have been following along and they started from the beginning, they've probably already started testing pretty popular channels, right? A lot of probably on Google ads, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, maybe Reddit. Why don't we go through some perhaps slightly more interesting or different examples um, of paid channels that our users can start looking at? Yeah, definitely. And listeners, keep in mind that none of this is a silver bullet. You do have to come through each of these with your own lens and analysis from first principles to figure out whether it's right for you. But that aside, let's jump into some examples. The first one being affiliate marketing. Now, this is one that we spoke about in a recent episode on partnerships. Again, check that out if you haven't already. But this, along with influencer marketing, are great ways to use paid ads and placements to get exposure with very specific audiences that are likely to really align with your dream customer avatars if you choose those kind of relationships uh, really well. It gives you that ability to control who you work with. You can uh, be very specific about sort of the partnerships or affiliate marketing opportunities you strike up. Uh, But at the same time, it can be as broad as you like and as self-serve as you like for those who want to partner with you. So it gives you a lot of control on that front. Um, But the key thing, again, to keep in mind here is that there's a clear audience alignment to your dream customer avatars and actually drives the results that you're looking for uh, because they actually have that targeted reach and the amount of trust that they can pass onto your brand that you're looking for. Really never underestimate uh, formalizing that word of mouth marketing, um, which these are all examples of. Yeah, Kev, having good affiliate relationships is like having the best employee in the world. And all you have to do is pay them maybe 20% of whatever it is that your product makes, which is pretty unreal. But you don't have to pay them things like super or you don't have to, <laughs> you know, you don't have to console them when things are bad. Of course, the relationship between you and your affiliate is important. But uh, they can go out there and sing your praises for you. And if you incentivize them correctly, they can do a huge amount for your brand. So identifying the right affiliate partners and making that work um, is very a very interesting way of spending your spending your budget, spending your dollars. So I definitely encourage people to go and check out that episode on affiliate marketing. It's a great point, George. Um, that sort of at arm's length distance also lends a lot of credibility to when they pass on the recommendation about your brand. Um, so definitely keep that one in mind, listeners. Yeah, we spoke recently, Kevin, about how in B2B marketing, it comes down to trust, right? Like we need to get people to trust us if they're going to buy from us. Typically, people do that um, either by getting their inbound engine running or their outbound engine running. So either people coming to your business through helpful educational content that you're putting out there or taking a targeted approach and going outbound to the customers directly. Um, if you have affiliates or partnerships, um, they're essentially using their own trust and transferring that to you because their audience already trusts them. So it's a bit of a shortcut until you get those engines really humming. 
Awesome, George. All right, let's talk about the next example listeners, native marketing. This is something that is much broader in reach. And if you find a good provider with good quality ads, then it's likely to allow you to access specific placements with your dream on with your dream 100 by buying your way in. The advantage here is it's closer to social media ads to set up and requires less direct organization with specific partners, as in the case of affiliate marketing or partnerships. The obvious downside here being that the quality of traffic and the ad experience can be poor, which can take away from the trust and value that such ads can drive to your brand. So it's really up to you to balance those two things when you're picking a provider of native marketing and setting up your ads and choosing your sp and choosing those specific placements to make sure that this is worthwhile for you to do. I think you nailed the important things there for native advertising, Kevin, is that, you know, it's got to be in places that your Dream 100 hang out, but you just want to make sure that you're not having um, your native advertising on um, assets, websites around the web that are, are perhaps less than ideal for your dream customers, something a bit more nefarious. You know, you certainly don't want to do that. Mm, good point. Uh, native advertising, uh, much like, you know, your Google uh, a partnership network or Microsoft audience ads, you do have to be sometimes quite careful about where it goes, if it's relevant, and if you're wasting some marketing, and if you're wasting some precious marketing dollars where it shouldn't go. All right, Kev. Um, look, this one's not really a paid channel, and we're going to talk about it more in a later episode, but events. So when it comes to events, Kev, there probably isn't much that beats the return that you get for the time spent. You can build so much trust and you can build so many relationships at events, whether it's a session or a long conversation that happens at an in-person conference or, you know, a lunchtime webinar to a small group of people. They're all amazing ways to connect and use your advertising dollars really, I guess, differently to handing them over to our overlords in LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Google, whoever it might be. And you can really drive much greater results for the same kind of spend. You just aren't able to attribute it in the same way that Google, Facebook, LinkedIn let us think that you can. Yeah, and particularly in this time, you know, when everyone's coming sort of out of lockdowns, the world's opening back up and really getting back into events, there's a lot of attention and a lot of willingness to go to events that are sort of kicking back into pace. So it's a great time to take advantage of those in-person events where we may be a little tired of the lunchtime webinars and we're keen for a bit of in-person contact. It's a great time to get in and test those events and see what you can make of them. Kevin, are you ready for in-person contact? <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> well, George, sooner or later, we have to come out of our bubbles. And um, sadly, I did get uh, COVID for the first time after quite a few years uh, of very cautiously avoiding in-person contact. Um, but... Maybe this is a little window for me to get out there while I still have the protection of um, my recent bout of COVID. Yeah, either that or you just become a bubble boy and <laughs> you go to these events, but you just go in, in a bubble. Uh, a bubble, probably not a great look, not a great outfit. Um, maybe, maybe if I can avoid it, I'll leave the bubble at home. <laughs> All right. Well, look, Kev... When it comes to paid channels, I think it's really important for our listeners to remember that paid channels aren't limited to 
the platforms that big companies have built for advertising like LinkedIn, even like native advertising or Google ads or things that are really easy to get your advertising dollars on. With the right relationships and offer, you can really get your ads placed in more creative spaces that have bigger impacts and are less competitive. So just keep an open mind, right? Like a, a lot of people, there's creators out there who have newsletters that probably serve your target customers. You know, can you do a sponsorship of a newsletter? There's plenty out there who do. Do they listen to a podcast? Can you go and sponsor that podcast? Um, can you look for a sponsorship on someone's website? Even if it's not going through a native advertising platform like Taboola, can you form a direct relationship with that business and try and get some placement there? You know, can you sponsor someone who's running some kind of creative content in the space? We're entering that age cave where people are really trusting those micro influencers, those those niche influencers, and there's plenty of opportunities to tap into them. Yeah, definitely. And I'll just add event sponsorship too. You know, we're getting bombarded at the moment with uh, plenty of event organizers reaching out, asking for sponsorships and things like that. Those probably immediately go in my don't reply list because it's probably not a great uh, fit and they probably haven't taken the time to get to know the podcast, us, or the business that I work in during the day. Um, but there are plenty of events out there that are very helpful, very well regarded, and which don't need to reach out for sponsorship, but potentially you should because they have your dream customers in their mix. It's just that idea, if, if you don't ask, you don't get Kevin. So make that list of your dream 100 and um, build that relationship and make that ask. You never know what's going to come out of it. All right, listeners, key takeaways for this episode. The principles of determining what's the next paid channel to test still apply. Ask yourself who's in charge of the channel, what's their purpose, what's the target audience, and if those things align to your dream 100 and the direction that that channel is going in, then go for it. Use your dream 100 as well to help prioritize those channel opportunities. Keep it up to date to ensure that you're going in the right direction. And remember, these principles are evergreen. If you start to get muddled about all the different new channels that are coming up and as your own channel mix becomes more complex to prioritize and strategize, come back to these principles to help guide you through. Beautiful. Well done. Thank you, Kevin. Listeners, as always, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes and Kevin and I are so grateful that each week more and more marketers are tuning into the B2B playbook. And if we can ask one thing, it would be to please recommend it to someone who you think would find the show helpful or leave us a review on wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. It's a huge help to us and we hugely, hugely appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Take care. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.